Welcome to Stories of Terra. My name is Guy Black, or Raven Hood on the interwebs, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Terra by Riot Games. The Riot Games community has crafted an incredible universe filled with Time Lords? But they're definitely not Doctor Who. I think they all only have one heart. Each week, we jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Terra off of the Riot Games universe site. Think of it as an audiobook of League stories and lore made by an absolutely loyal fan. <laughs> this week's story is Echo, the boy who shattered time. And now for my terrible impression. My devices work best when they don't work as intended, which is most of the time. And a quick shout out to the Nebraska crew. Make sure that you guys get your schoolwork done while you're listening to these podcasts and playing League and playing Magic the Gathering. You sound like me when I was in college, but make sure you get your schoolwork done. Thanks for this choosing this week's uh, episode. A prodigy from the rough streets of Zaun, Echo manipulates time to twist any situation to his advantage. Using his own invention, the Z-Drive, he explores the branching possibilities of reality to craft the perfect moment. Though he revels in this freedom, when there's a threat to his friends, he'll do anything to defend them. To outsiders, Echo seems to achieve the impossible the first time, every time. One quick thing, I am super excited to announce that I am going to be releasing a second podcast uh, recorded with my buddy Elliot Moose Captain Minge, and we are going to be delving into mashups between TTRPGs, games, other board games, etc., etc. It's called the Gamer Alchemy Podcast, and we're going to have our first episodes released in February. So keep your ear out for that. Keep your eye out for that. It'll be available on all the same platforms that this podcast is available on. And if you like D&D, you like Call of Cthulhu, you like Smash Bros, you like gaming in general, both a video and board, then it might pique your interest. Other thing is that I have published a website now where if you like the stuff I do or are curious about any of the random things that I do creatively from fantasy map design to Dungeons and Dragons material to world building for sci-fi to whatever, check it out. It's on the links on my socials. So if you go to my Twitter or my Instagram, it is up there. It's a Wix site link because I haven't bought the domain yet because, you know, budgets. Anyway, so check it out. Thanks. Now back to the uh, actual episode. And now for the biography of Echo. Born with a genius-level intellect, Echo constructed simple machines before he could even crawl. His parents, Ina and Wyeth, vowed to provide a good future for their son. Zahn, with all its pollution and crime, would only stifle Echo, whom they felt deserved the wealth and opportunities of Piltover. Throughout his youth, he watched his parents age beyond their years, toiling for too many hours under dangerous conditions in suffocating factories. 
They earned meager wages while greedy factory owners and sneering Piltoven buyers profited immensely from their labor. It would all be worth it, they reasoned, if it meant their son could one day rise to the city above. Echo saw things differently. Beyond Zahn's flaws, he saw a dynamic place overflowing with energy and potential. Zahnite's industry, resourcefulness, and resilience stirred a hotbed of pure innovation. They had built a thriving culture from catastrophe and flourished where others would have perished. That spirit captivated Echo and spurred him to a youth of wild invention and innovation. He wasn't alone. He befriended scrappy orphans, inquisitive runaways, and eager upstarts. Zonites tended to eschew formal education in favor of apprenticeships, but these quote-unquote lost children of Zon looked into the labyrinthine streets to be their mentors. They wasted time in glorious youthful fashion, foot races through the border markets or daring climbs from the sump to the promenade. They ran wild and free, answering to no one. One night, on a solo trek into the rubble of a recently demolished laboratory, Echo made an astonishing find. A shard of blue-green crystal that glittered with magical energy. Every child of Zahn had heard tales of Hextech, said to power weapons and heroes alike. Such a thing had the potential to change the world, and now he held a broken one. He scrambled to find more pieces, but the crunching footfalls of tacked-up enforcers told him he wasn't the only one looking. Echo barely escaped and returned to his home. He experimented madly with the crystal. During one less-than-scientific attempt, the gym exploded into a vortex of shimmering dust, triggering eddies of temporal distortion. Echo opened his eyes to see several splintered realities— and several echo versions of himself, staring back in sheer panic amid the fractured continua. He'd really done it this time. After some tense coordination between Echo and his paradoxes, they managed to contain and repair the hole they had torn into the fabric of reality. Eventually, he harnessed the shattered crystal's temporal powers into a device that would allow him to manipulate small increments of time, at least in theory. On his name day, his friends badgered him into climbing the ancient clock tower known as Old Hungry. So, Echo brought the untested device along with him. The lost children climbed, stopping occasionally to paint an obscene caricature or two of prominent pilties. They were near the top when a handhold gave way, sending one of Echo's friends tumbling to certain doom. Instinctively, as if he'd done it a thousand times before, Echo activated his device. The world shattered around him, and he was wrenched backward through the swirling particles of time. Then Echo was back, watching his friend reach again for the same rotting plank. The plank broke, the boy fell, but Echo was ready this time. Diving to the edge and grabbing him by the shirt, Echo tried to swing him to safety, but his friend became caught in the tower's clockwork gears and stop rewind several attempts later echo finally saved his friend's life but to his crew echo's supernatural reflexes had saved their friend before anyone had even realized the danger he told them about the crystal and made them swear to secrecy instead 
They dared each other to new heights of foolishness, knowing Echo had the means to pluck them out of danger. With each trial, and so much error, the time-warping device, which Echo dubbed the Zero Drive, grew more and more stable. The only limit was how many do-overs his body could take before exhaustion set in. Echo's time-bending antics have made him a person of interest to some Zahn and Piltover's most inventive, most powerful, and most dangerous individuals. But his only interest is in his friends, his family, and his city. He dreams of the day when his hometown rises up to dwarf the so-called City of Progress, when Piltover's golden veneer will be overshadowed by the towering ingenuity and relentless spunk of a Zahn born not from generations of privilege, but from sheer daring. He may not have a plan yet, but he's got all the time in the world. After all, if Echo's Z-Drive can change the past, how hard can it be to change the future? And now, for Echo's story. This is entitled Lullaby, and it is by Matthew Dunn. It had been a week-long sort of day. For Echo, this was both literal and metaphorical. Everything went wrong, and it took forever to put it back just right. First, Ajuna had nearly gotten himself killed trying to climb Old Hungry. The younger boy wanted so desperately to be like Echo that he vaulted up the side of the clockwork tower at the heart of the sump before any of their friends could stop him. It was the first tricky jump that nearly did the kid in. Good thing Echo had triggered his Z-Drive. Eighteen times he heard the blood-curdling scream of the boy falling to his death before he figured out how and where to arrest the fall and save his life. Then, while pillaging a scrap heap with ties to the clan Pharos for each bit of tech, a particularly aggressive gang of vigil knots surrounded him, big ones too, covered in augments that made them even uglier and uglier. Echo was surprised at their speed, but less surprised at how they shot to kill. Pilties and their backup didn't care about the lives of some snipes like him. Good thing the Z-Drive existed to get him out of seemingly inescapable encounters like that one. After a few dozen rewinds, he changed tack and pulled out his latest toy, the Flash Blinder. It was meant to explode in a dazzling flash and pull anything not bolted down in toward its center. But the Flash Blinder didn't work. Well, not at least as intended. It exploded. And that's when things got interesting. Unlike most of Echo's inventions that exploded, the blue-hot magical detonation froze in mid-blast. Columns of billowing blue energy fanned out from the epicenter. Bits of the disk's shrapnel twisted at a snail's pace along what, at a normal explosion velocity, would be a deadly trajectory. Even the blinding spherical flash itself was frozen in space. And then it got even more interesting. The explosion imploded, reforming itself into the palm-sized flashbinder, and rewound back toward Echo, landing square in his palm, as cold as the wind. Cool, Echo thought. He rewound the moment so he could throw it at the Vigilnauts a few more times. For science, of course. When Echo finally got home, his body was tired. 
but his mind was alert. The apartment was functional, the furniture sparse with a little flourish. Echo's room was a little curtained-off nook filled with discarded books, bits of scavenged technology, and hiding spots for the Z-Drive and Flashbinder. Today was one of the rare days both his parents would be home early, and he had something to tell them. Mom? Dad? He practiced to his reflection, which stared back at him from the Z-Drive's shiny cylindrical surface. I'm not going to apply to any of the upside clans or a snooty, pilty school. I'm staying here with you and my friends. I'll never turn my back on Zahn. The words were filled with the confidence that comes with being alone in an empty apartment, with only walls and reflections to respond, and their response was silence. He heard the jingle of keys, muffled by the front door. Without a second to spare, he tucked his Z-drive under the table and draped a black cloth over it. He didn't want them worrying about his escapades with an unstable Hextech time manipulation device. The door opened, and Echo's parents returned for the first time that night. They looked like strangers to their own son, their jobs aging them even more in the weeks since he'd last seen them together. The routine was predictable. They'd shuffle home, supply meager meal purchased with the day's wages, save the rest of the money for taxes and bribes, then fall asleep in their chairs, chins resting on their chests, until Echo removed their work boots and helped them into their beds. The bags under their eyes carried enough weight to pull their heads down. Tucked under his mother's arm was a small, paper-wrapped bundle, bound at the ends with twine. Hello, my little genius. His mother expended energy she couldn't afford in an attempt to make words come alive. Yet her expression, in that moment of lightness, when she saw her son sitting at the table, waiting, was something no one could fake. Hey, Mom. Uh, hey, Dad. The three of them hadn't sat at the table as a family in such a long time. He quietly chided himself for not saying something substantial. His father beamed with pride. Then he mock-scowled as he brushed his fingers through his son's mohawk. Echo struggled to remember a time when his father didn't look so old, before the prematurely thinning hair and the deep wrinkles in his brow. "'I thought I told you to cut that hair,' his father said. "'It'll make you stand out in the Piltover Academies too much. The factory wood's the only place you can look like that. They'll take anyone, and you're not anyone.' How are your applications coming? This was the moment. Echo felt the words he'd practiced swimming up to be spoken. The hope in his father's eyes gave him pause. His mother filled that empty moment before Echo could. We have a treat for you. She set the brown parcel down on the table. They pulled their chairs close to watch as Echo reached over and untied the knotted twine straightened both strings and laid them next to him. He unraveled the butcher paper without a single rip, and in the center lay a small loaf of fragrant sweetbread, its crust glazed with honey and candied nuts. The cake was from Aline. She makes the finest pastries in all of Zahn, and charged a pretty penny for him, too. Akko and his friends often pilfered her desserts from the rich folk who paid the hefty price without even a tiny hesitation. Echo's head shot up to see his parents' reaction. Their eyes were beaming. This... this is too much, he said. We need meat and real supper. 
Not sweets. <laughs> we would never forget your name, Bay, his father said with a chuckle. Looks like you did, though. Echo had completely lost track of what day it really was. Still, the gift was too extravagant, especially since he was about to shatter their hopes for him. Guilt rose in his throat. The landlord will have our heads if we're late on rent again. Let us worry about that. You deserve something nice, his mother said. Go on, you can have cake for dinner once a year. What are you going to eat? I'm not hungry. I ate at work, his father lied. Cheese and meats from Piltover. Real nice stuff. They watched Echo take a tiny bite of the cake. It was sweet and buttery and the crumbs stuck to his fingers. It was so rich and the taste stuck to his tongue. Echo went to divide the cake into three pieces, but his mother shook her head. Her soft voice hummed the name day song's playful melody, and he knew they wouldn't partake. It was his parents' gift to him. His father would have joined in singing the name day song if he hadn't already fallen asleep, slumped in his chair, chin drooping to his chest. Echo glanced over to his mother. Her eyes fluttered closed as the melody was swallowed by her own encroaching slumber. One future Echo briefly considered was the factory wood life and barely living wages for some other city's benefit, for someone else's glory. He couldn't stomach the thought. He remembered fragments of conversations, snippets heard through the filter of infant ears, of his parents' whispered dreams of inventions and entrance to the clans, ideas they had hoped would change the world and contribute to a future unwritten by the birth of their son. Echo knew that they saw him as their only hope, but he loved life in Zahn. If he did as they wished, who would take care of them or his friends? He couldn't dash their dreams. Not tonight. Not on his name day. Maybe tomorrow. Echo didn't finish his cake beyond the first bite. Instead, he primed the Z-Drive. His home shattered into swirling eddies of colored dust. The thrum of everyday life fell to absolute silence. The moment splintered and encircled him in a vortex of light. When the fragments of the future reassembled into the past, Echo's parents were coming home for a second time that night. It would be followed by a third. And a fourth. And a fifth. And a sixth. And so on. Each time he went back, Echo didn't change a single thing. The light in his mother's eyes, his father's proud smile as he nodded off. But Echo fought the edges of sleep to hold on to those stolen moments forever. Until, finally, he let his mother's soft voice and the warmth of their little apartment lull him to sleep. It had been a week-long sort of day. Whew. I got a little heavy. It's kind of nutty how... I mean, you guys have heard my thing a couple billion times, but I love story. But I don't just love story because cool stuff happens, but because it challenges us to be better people, to be more virtuous and seek out to make the world a better place. 
I'm a teacher at what's called a classical school, so like everything we do is filtered through the ideas of virtue. And so like this one is real heavy because there are people in this world where this isn't a story. This is the life they live. Their parents are doing more than they are physically should be doing or is just for a human to do just so that they can give their kids a better chance at life. So, yeah, there's a lot to reflect on here and how we can be better people and maybe advocate for folks who are in those situations or help the guy on the street. And, you know, I'm not perfect at that, but I want to be better at it. So we're working on it. We're all trying to be better people. And I hope that these stories inspire us to try and be better people. Anyway, so thanks for joining me this week. And I'll catch you next week. And keep your ear out for the first drop of the Gamer Alchemy podcast. Hosted with my friend Moose Captain. Uh, And then check out the website. See if there's anything that piques your interest. Thanks. Catch you on the flip side.